Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. That's the second time it's gone off. They never go home, they never go home, they never go home, those, those, those boys. The second captain's world service. And I said, I want to win the league, but I want to win it better. You can understand that, can't you? Yes. Good luck. So he's almost like having a second captain in the team. Second captain, first captain, whatever. In June 1998, Luis Figo stood with his teammates on a balcony overlooking the Plaza Saint-Jean in Barcelona, celebrating their latest La Liga title win. Hair dyed in the colours of the club, Figo. <laughs> yes, Murph, he, was, he had his hair dyed that way. Wow. Figo took to the mic. What he's chanting there is Blanco's Llorones Salude a los Campeones. A sentence with a pleasing rhythm, I'm sure you'll agree. Yeah. Kieran, you might be able to work out what it translates as. Blanco's are those in white. Yeah. Real Madrid. Real Madrid, yeah. Llorones. Yeah. <sighs> Something to do with the arse region. Crybabies, Murph. Crybabies. White crybabies salute the champions. Although I prefer this probably incorrect translation I saw. The weeping children of Madrid must bow to the victorious champions. <laughs> Imploring the crying children of Madrid, the actual wow. kids, to yeah, bow yeah. to the champions is another level above just it calling is. the adults crybabies. So I'd say the first one is probably more accurate. Hey, Si. Hey, Owen, how are you? Cut to the title celebrations in Madrid a few seasons later. A certain Luis Figo happily ensconced among the crybabies. 400,000 of them jumping around the fountains at Plaza Cibeles, in this case, crying tears of joy, having won the league. Figo is interviewed from atop the statue that they all climb up. <laughs> According to Sid Lowe's account of that moment, Figo resisted the temptation to do the crybaby's line again with Madrid replaced with Barca in the mm-hmm. chant, despite the best efforts of Madrid's press. <laughs> so they're all like, would you just do that, that thing again? Uh, he Instead, he contented himself by saying he felt like he was the king of the world. Celebrations are always great wherever they are, he replied to yet another, how does this compare to Barca inquiry <laughs> from the hacks down below. <laughs> a weird moment. Will Orgy Snyman be making a similar speech from the top of the spire when the current Munster player lands in the <laughs> Champions Cup? <laughs> For Lenter next season, it would be a painful interview, Simon, in more ways than one. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast, everybody. Jerry Thorny dropped the bombshell last Thursday night that Lenser have lined up Munster's double Rugby World Cup winning second row. 
or G. Snyman as a new signing next season. The game-changing 28-year-old. When he's playing, he's a game-changer. Yeah. Uh, he hasn't played that much for Munster. The, the game-missing. Game the uh, game-missing 28-year-old <laughs> Springbok uh, is set to join the O'Connor side next season. So at his press conference, Leinster's head coach declined to confirm or deny mm. the story, yep. saying he preferred to move on to other questions out of respect to all parties. So as, as is often the case, as is always the case, Simon, Jerry's reportage on this matter appears to be yeah, rock solid. The source is strong, yeah. Um, and Leinster know there's a few steps to be done with the RFU yet. That's why they won't really comment. They clearly want him. Munster did want him, couldn't afford him, decided to go for Klein instead. We're kind of killed by the fact that Klein declared for South Africa, leaving them with two South African players on their books. Yeah. Uh, Klein way, way cheaper, plays a lot more games. Uh, no huge real choice to be made in, in effect. But we were talking a few weeks ago about the rivalry being back with Munster winning the URC last season, beating Leinster on the way in the Aviva. And then before this game, like Munster could have, maybe should have beaten Leinster. The rivalry's back. Well, it's really back with this sort of stuff because there's no better way to develop spite than some guy that you've gambled on a few times, put loads of trust in, who's gone back to South Africa a few times to rehab. People love him, seems to have a great personality, has settled here. His wife wants to settle here, which is why he hasn't gone to Bath because he was about to go to Bath, apparently. Mm -hmm. Um, That's the reason. So people love him. But I think the more you kind of love somebody and gamble on them and trust that it will all come through for you, Mm. for them then to move to your greatest rivals and have to look at him twice a season for however long he stays. It's, It's one thing him leaving, right? And you're going, God, that was such a waste of money, in essence. And then to go somewhere, the place you least want him to go and have to look at him at least twice a season, maybe three, four times a season. But if he's so great, if he's so valuable to you, then stump up the cash and just pay for him. Forget forget about the... the, Well, they weren't able to keep both. So it's one or the other and they literally did not have the cash to pay for him. But they did have the cash to pay for him this time. Oh, because you're Uh, saying... For the next contract, they they can't afford to pay for him. Yeah. Um, I mean, you could try and ship off, I don't know, a few others like Zebo has played very few games too and and really make your squad a little more sparse, but it's already a little thin as we see, a few injuries and they're, they're struggling. So I don't think they could afford to. And funny enough, Munster need a, a Klein type, you know, a tractor type player who just plays every week um, and is reliable and all the rest of it. Whereas Leinster actually need the fine tuning of somebody like Snyman. So in a way, the signing kind of suits. Oh, both. it's perfect for Leinster, isn't yeah. he? It's not, yeah. They don't need him, they don't need him to contribute mm. all that many games, really. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, sport being what it is, he'll probably play like twenty five games for the entirety, like each season of his Leinster contract. He will literally be Mister Reliable. He won't miss a minute of action. He'll be in unbelievably fit for the entire time that he's in Leinster. Yeah, I mean, I don't know about that. Well, I was thinking about Johnny Wilkinson, who's another very famous Debating player. Debating the who, future fitness of a player is obviously yeah, yeah. fraught with But you know the way you write somebody off as they go through four or five years yeah, yeah. of injury and think, well, that's them done then. Johnny Wilkinson came through at the end of his career, won all his trophies with Toulon, played his best rugby, arguably, even after all the injuries. So I think players can go through a spell, figure things out. And it is essentially his knees. I know this current thing is a shoulder, but essentially his knees. And these guys do such rehab that apparently their ACL ends up stronger and their, their whole... Mm their quads and their uh, the whole leg muscles are better than they ever were so uh, hopefully that any Munster fans under the age of 30 I'd allow you to stay on the moral high ground that you are occupying right now but anyone a little older than that getting into the 40s I direct you to an article written by Johnny Waters in the Irish Times Friday April 8th 2005 Oof. Leinster coach Declan Kidney will stand down with immediate effect following his appointment as head coach to Munster 
kidney will succeed, Alan Gaffney, etc. It was believed it was Leinster who forced the issue with kidney once the news had leaked last Sunday that he had applied for the coaching job with <laughs> Munster. <laughs> Fucking hell, kidney. Yeah. Yeah, no wonder. It's up there with Eddie Jones. Listen, I'm as shocked as anyone that I got this job. I sent my CV into the relevant company for. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so there you go. So well, tomorrow is the Glen Crow boast a shell story, by the way. <laughs> the big one before we will be talking to Shane Horgan and Roy O'Connor coming up on that and also Munster throwing sides but lead away against Exeter yesterday as well as Leinster winning without impressing all that much against Sale their mm. two captain policy mm. not impressing the referee very much two weeks in a row yeah uh, James Ryan told to jog on I'm, I'm, a, bi- I'm a big fan of a, I'll of talk a second to 13. thanks yeah, very yeah. much yeah yeah I actually think this is everybody saying oh he's getting narky with James Ryan two weeks in a row the rest get narky with James Ryan and tell him to go away and that therefore that means this isn't working whereas I think the opposite well A, Leinster have won both games but also I think you get to really push it first see how far you can push a ref get the old good cop bad cop thing sorry ref I'm out of the picture now nice guy Gary Ringrose comes in with a smile and then you play it the other way with the ref so you get to try both ways because some sometimes being narky with a ref does actually work depending on their personality and mm. you should know that a little bit in advance but you also test it in game test their their mood that day and what they're what they're letting go and what they're not letting go so at the start of now I think they're going to clamp down on this but at least so far at the start of every game you're really in his face annoy him as much as possible and then that's a clean slate. You move over to Ringrose and, and uh, move on from there. There's James no Ryan actual the hard yards. No Just like in the game itself, Simon. James <laughs> Ryan does all the hard work yeah. and allows Ringrose in for mm. the glory. Good, Flash. good posh cop follows bad <laughs> posh cop. Second <laughs> captain, first captain, whatever. <laughs> there you go. I see. I love the second captain policy. Before we go to the rugby, some football news that broke after we recorded our Monday football pod. Excuse me for interrupting you, John. I hate to do this. He didn't turn up for the first match. Well, hang, on, hang on a minute, did he get to the Euros? Did he get to the Euros, Ken? Because he was doing a gig for the BBC's holiday programme. It's the best thing in the world for you because it's full of protein. It looks around, there's Sherry Duff. Duff Why are we giving him the job then? Wait, hang on, sorry. Okay. Sorry, John. Yes, he got to the Euros. Do you uh, think you're going to get to the Euros? Stephen well, no news as yet on the senior men's national team coach appointment. But while that pot's a boiling, mm-hmm. well, I know you're watching. Uh, we have white smoke. Well, I'm stirring on, most of it. Yeah, you are. That's exactly what you're doing to that particular pot. <laughs> uh, we have white smoke on the women's national team. Eileen Deason has been given the gig for keeps after her Nations League campaign in interim charge. Saw us win six games from six, scoring 20 goals and conceding only two. You'd have to say that's a fairly she strong. couldn't have done much more. The stats. How many games did they lose? That'll be zero losses, six wins, zero draws, 20 goals for, two against. For a goal difference, Simon, of plus 18. <laughs> uh, an announcement on her backroom team will be made in the coming weeks, but the FAI have backed their woman to keep up the good work. Now for a new men's team sponsor in 2024 and a new men's manager sometime in 2025. And we'll be set on Set Fair. Normally being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, Furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. 
So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Yeah. Who's better, LeVar or Michael Jordan? Anybody think about no damn LeVar? Yes, they are. Owen McDevitt, Owen McDevitt. from Ireland's second captain show. Owen McDevitt. You're a cold piece of work. You looking good. I know you're feeling good. Oh, and you're amazing. I'm like, yeah. 2,000 podcast recordings today and the second captain's show in Ireland. Owen McDevitt. Owen, I like you and I like your style. I hear you in your 40s and your bald head. Let's just put it this way. You ahead of the game. Owen McDevitt. Hey, Jack Chapman, we're just about out of time. Been a pleasure talking to you. I can't believe it, dog. I know what 2,000 is. That's a heck of a feat. But any man, I love your style. It's delicious. I'm Owen McDevitt. Owen McDevitt. He's a non-event as far as I'm concerned. You're ball-headed. It has been a rough old week for Munster, losing a big lead in Exeter after the news that it looks as though they'll be losing a big-name player to Leinster, which is causing a, a lot of angst. Rory O'Connor, the Irish Independence Chief Rugby Correspondent, is in studio today. Rory, how are you? Morning, lads. And Shane Horgan's with us. How are you, Shane? Good, man. We are the world's specialists at leaving ourselves a tough job and making things hard for ourselves. Factually, the world leaders in making life tough for ourselves. Graham Rowntree sounded pretty pissed off after what happened at the weekend. He was, and he was. I think he was right to be. Really bizarre game. Um, one where... Um, you felt that Munster were comfortable all the way up until what was it you know just after the error mark their bouts you know although they didn't look perfect um, they were you know, breaking the line I think attacking wise they looked good and then this complete reversal and um, yeah rightly have left themselves in a very like a really really difficult position you think you know trips to Toulon and Northampton you know, we a couple of weeks ago spoke about this group as being, you know, a, what seemed a relatively easy group. Maybe that was a bit of an, uh, you know, that was a misunderstanding on our part as it panned out. But, you know, we did expect them to get through. We did expect them to get through uh, with a home quarterfinal and both of those things. But one of them, you know, looks off the table and the other is in, in jeopardy. I kind of feel like they expected that of themselves as well, Rory. The way Ty Byrne was talking afterwards, he was, and he even said, he said that when he was talking to the ref, he, at the end, after he wanted a penalty for offside in the final try for a few lazy runners. He was trying to impress upon the referee how important this moment is for their competition because they were going for, uh, you know, top two. That, that was their plan to hopefully top their pool. And now they could, you know, they're, they're just scratching around to get through. They were in charge of both games, Owen. I mean, I think it was realistic to expect them to win both games within the games themselves. It's not like they've gone out and completely tanked and been hockeyed in either one of them. They've kind of been in winning positions against Bayonne and Exeter and they've thrown it away in both games, you'd have to say. I know Exeter played a large role in that. They played very well in the last 20, 30 minutes. The bench led by four, two former Leinster players, and Jack Dunn in particular, which I'm sure would sicken Munster that little bit more, um, made a big big impact. And I know there is a bit of, you know, I'd say, disquiet about two, two of the refereeing decisions. But well, they had the game within their own control. You know, Jack Crowley missed two kicks. That I know it was windy there, but on another day he want those back. And if if he'd gotten them, that lead might have just been too much for Exeter to come to come back from. That just leaves the door ajar for for a team that's 
you know, pretty high on life after winning in Toulon the previous week. I think we've all underestimated the English Premiership teams this season. They've been much stronger than, than any of us expected, which is good for the competition. Um, but Munster have taken a situation they earned by winning the URC last year. They were top seeds. They were they went into a pool that they should have been at least competing to win, and they've thrown away two winning positions in two weeks, albeit with a lot of injuries. But um, it's a very disappointing return for them, and and for all that they can rage at the referee, I think the winning of the game was within their gift yesterday. Yeah, they also let a lead slip against Ulster. Um, they had loads of chances to beat Leinster. So that's four games in the season already where Munster have kind of let chances slip and they're scoring some of the best tries I've ever seen them score, including the first try at the weekend. And yet their basics have gotten worse, which is kind of weird because Roundtree is, you know, an old scrummager, Leicester man. And you would have thought the nuts and bolts would be the thing they probably figure out first. So it looks like Prendergast is getting his bits right because in attack at times they look brilliant. And then some of their basics. I know there was a, an unlucky bounce. The ref decision was probably the wrong decision at the end. But there's also just a feel. You never trust their scrum. You never fully trust their line out. And if it wasn't for Tyg Byrne pulling off a series of uh, turnovers and poaches, um, you'd worry a little bit about their overall play. Yeah, and I think, well, look, I think it's probably more of a reflection of where Munster are at than the URC win last year. And it was such a special win because it came out of nowhere really they'd had a really awful season in some ways last year and then just got on this roll at the end pulled off a couple of big away results it was that, that's what made it so such a great story was that it was so unlikely but maybe this is more they've returned to their own mm-hmm. level and they're missing a lot of like they, they, their injury list has been very damaging they're missing mm-hmm. both of their starting second rows both their Springbok second rows I mean O'Mahony has and remains so key to them in, in European games um, you know even like someone like Dave Kilcoyne um Barron was back this weekend, but you know they don't trust their bench necessarily in the front row positions. It's not an excuse for them, but their squad isn't as strong as a Leinster. So not having those players on the pitch does make a difference to them. At the same time, you don't want to give them a pass. They are the URC champions. They are, cap- they are capable of going and winning in tough places. And really, they did all the hard work by getting themselves into what looked like, well, maybe unassailable. It was, obviously wasn't unassailable, but at the point when they scored that fourth try, they looked like they were home and hosed. Mm. But their game control and maybe their bench having two teenagers there just didn't quite have the calibre to come on and control it but the guys um, extra we're bringing on aren't exactly like Jack Dunn hasn't been getting his game for them at all this year so he comes in and takes his opportunity really well but it's not as if this was a the, the extra five years ago where they were the European no. champions so this wasn't this was a team that was ready to be beaten yeah the 11 point lead would suggest they were ready to be beaten and I kind of thought Munster had them psychologically at that point that's why the unforced errors from Munster worried me a little bit about them from that point they should have felt like the more confident team the team probably nailing more of their chances than Exeter and it went the opposite way Shane and I just wonder when you see all those leads that they've let slip this season it's been a bad season actually for Munster now we, I think we can say at this point yeah. up to this point uh, sorry yeah it kind of has Simon but but it hasn't and this is why it's it's a, it's a frustrating season um, and it'll be disappointing results um, but I gotta disagree with Rory. I actually think they are a better side this year uh, than they were last year. I know they won the uh, URC, but their capa- their capacity to play at a high level in an attacking way is 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 much higher than it's ever well it's been for for a quite a number of years. And that's what's the you know that that's the frustrating thing because 
there are basics that are letting them down. The set piece is still an issue. You know, there's they're massively reliant on on Tigburn, and without those turnovers, then you know games become much more difficult. But you know, some of their attacking play under you know quite a a more aggressive extra defence than they might be used to as well um, was really excellent. So I'm trying to connect, you know, these issues that there's definitely a sort of a higher bar to the top capacity of their play. But you know the other, you know some of their other elements have been have been really disappointing. In a, Those other elements a, are equally as important because just the way you describe it, there yeah. you're saying they're they're playing better even though they're they're not um, doing the basics better. It just sounds a little bit to me like you know what you hear golfers sometimes saying, "Oh, I'm I'm playing unbelievably. I'm just not putting it well." You know, yeah. well, that's the job, mate. And you know, winning yeah. lineups and being solid, especially in the wake beat. of a South Africa World Cup win again. Well, I suppose it's just what I'm thinking is with their their capacity is higher, and I think the more difficult. Um, element of of playing rugby is what they're doing better, and I really feel the sort of more basic element of it is the stuff that's that is more rectifiable faster. You know, is it though? Um, is that not just down to you know amazing scrummaging props and? Well, maybe line out probably could be improved ah, through listen, coaching. Listen, their li- line out, their line out should be way better, and that's been a failing now for for quite a while. And listen, I take it they don't have their two second rows, but come on, you know. And maybe this is maybe we're looking at a, a you know, monster through through a slightly different lens and. Um, the expectation of, of what you know historically Munster's game was was grounded on is not what their current game is grounded on. But the problem is, if you don't have that basis for any team, then you're going to be in trouble. And Munster's historic ability to sort of close out games in tight situations really hasn't been there this year. But I see that as a consequence of not getting that first bit right. And surely there has to be you know a really like sort of laser focus on on set piece from here on in. Oh, they they will be doing that already, surely. I mean, it's Graham Roundtree, not to repeat myself, but... For sure, they've been obsessed with that. Well, there's, he's doing something wrong. Then he's not getting he's not getting it right, and that is an issue, and it needs to, and it's one that has to be addressed, or we're going to be having this conversation right through the year. Yeah, I think the personnel issue can't be discounted, and and you put John Klein, like let's take Snyman out of it because he's never available. You, you know, John Klein's basically never missed a game for Munster for four years. Dogbo is kind of his replacement. He's a hundred and twenty five, thirty kilo lock who they produced themselves, who who I think could have. Been a very good replacement for Klein. He wasn't available either. Even coming off the bench, you take a, put a man in that line out. I think you've got much stronger. So there is that personnel element, and like Tom Hearn's doing incredible things on defensive line out and also in the loose. I mean, what a rampaging carrier they have in that five meter channel. Um, but but he, I suppose, has to get to the O'Mahony levels of consistency for him to be considered as his full successor, which it looks like he will be. You know, so there is that element to it, and and that can't be discounted, but. They've got to find ways of doing things, and it's just the 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 change right. The attacking side is so impressive to have it undermined by what used to be your your own ID. You know that being a t- an aggressive tight five and winning scrum and line out and winning and having a strong maul and you know a great carrying game. Their breakdown's pretty good. Um, was Munster's you know identity, and now they've changed their identity to a much wider and much more pleasing on the eye team who are one of the most exciting attacking teams in Europe you know some of the stuff they pulled off yeah, yesterday was a phenomenal yeah. but you can't every leave game, the, every game they played you can't come at a cost and, and last year they were they were getting everything wrong at this time of year really like they, they kind of they got through Europe but everything was going wrong as they tried to develop this attacking style now they've got the attacking style but their fundamentals the stuff that you you know your world class basics or whatever. You know that, that's what you, they've got to go back to now because they have they've, they've shown that Jack Rowley can find space against a really good blitz attack. They've shown that they have um, the the weapons to hurt teams, but you're 
you're hurting yourself mm. over and over again. It's self-inflicted wounds. Um, and these teams are good enough, even a Bayonne, who no one expected anything of, are good enough to come to Tolman Park and take the opportunities you're giving them. Yeah, because every team you seem to play in Champions Cup has good props at the moment. They all seem to be able to afford or grow their own. But in terms of Europe, they went from five match points, Rory, to one in those final 18 minutes. Mm. And just as a sort of psychological blow to your season, and they rate Europe number one by a distance, obviously, still. Uh, how do you think they'll cope? Like uh, Looking at the, the table, it's not beyond the realms that they get enough yeah. points to get, get... It's kind of hard to go out of this tournament. You know, if the top four teams yeah. in the pool go through and they've got three points on the board, but... In that phase, when Conor Murray, away next. Toulon away yeah. next, but Toulon have lost their first two games. They've lost to Exeter at home. They 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 lost somehow lost to Northampton, having got themselves and now they've got great individuals and they are a strong team. But they're they're not the Toulon of that three year period where they won it. They won it three years in a row. They are much more beatable, but still a tough tough task for them. But like Munster again, another thing that was core to their success was their ability to get enough points out of these games. And they were at a point where Conor Murray has the ball at the base of that ruck where they're 4-1 down on the scoreboard in terms of points. If they manage a drop goal or win a penalty, which he may be trying to do in that moment, they can get to a 3-2 win in Exeter, mm. which is gets them on the five points and a pretty good position. It's not as good as it was when they were 5-1 up. Mm. And they managed to throw an, inter- an intercept. And Henry Slater an in- got an intercept in the first couple of minutes. So the, the, the trend or the danger was something they were aware about to go to a, to a 5-1 defeat. And that, like, just when you think about managing your pool and the skill Munster have always had and, you know, go back to the Miracle Match and all that sort of stuff, I, I suppose a lot of the game, you know, you have a captain who's very inexperienced, a captain, well, Conor Murray's not inexperienced, so he can't, you know, the guy who gave the intercept is probably the most experienced player on the pitch <laughs> yeah. at that moment, but Crowley is a new 10. You know, th- this team is, I think, finding its way together and needs to learn that element of it as well to know when to push a pass. They had he had options both sides. The lazy run, like maybe the try was on if he gone left, but there, that's where the lazy runners and well, the he danger was. I didn't think it was. I didn't think. I, I didn't think either. I, I'm, I'm almost lot of numbers on that. Yeah, on the, the on the left hand side, which was the the sla- uh, which was the uh, Exeter right hand side, actually. And it was, this is one of the reasons for the try. If you look where Slade came, it's very clever, actually. He came from depth, and so he was, you know, he had big momentum. He 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 timed his run really well. And but I think he was he was capable of doing that because he was so comfortable that they were numbered off on that side. So I think the option to go left by Connor in the first uh, uh, um, instance was was flawed. But I have to say I do have sympathy for having two lazy runners coming back like that. You know I I really do. There was a lot in his um, eye line. Just well, he, well, he could moment. have. Well, why didn't he just throw it at one of those players, Shane? This is one thing that Ty Byrne said. If if Murr decides to throw the ball at one of them, it's a penalty all day. So why not throw it at them? Well, get well, a penalty, you know, kick to the corner, then try and move my line out. Well, well, because you. Know what? Refs are pretty hot on that as well. You know, be, and yeah. if you're, you know, so all of a sudden, then, oh, listen, you know, okay, that was a cynical play by by Connor, and it's it's a penalty the way or scrum scrum to Exeter. So that's a sort of a, a consequence of referees not blowing that. You know, so if you don't want the tens to fire the ball at the head of of a, a lazy runner, then blow the lazy runners for being lazy runners. <laughs> And again, it's that game management piece. If you go right and you recycle and you get yourself in a drop goal position, you can leave with a with a good result. It's not the result you wanted coming over, but it's a good result. But he t- and we want players to take risks, sure. But those lazy runners were there. Once you p- throw that pass, you are putting your destiny in the hands of Matthew Reynal. Whereas if you go right, you're you're trusting your ha- your your hands, your players to to win it. So you're keeping control. So as soon as they put the the game in the hands of the referee, and he'd already given a big decision against them in the decision not to give a yellow card for the yes. the high tackle a little bit earlier, and you know he is a, he is a ref who who 
plays by his own rules a little bit. So and Conor Murray again has probably yeah, played. You wouldn't in a trust him. Sure you now, how many tests has Conor Murray re- been ref by Ray now? He knows these people. He is the most experienced player. So I. I, I think know. he took it's the still more the risky wrong option. decision by the ref. Sure, I mean, but once you the blame is with the ref more well, so. Well, I, I, I think I, I think it's on Murray. Yeah, I I don't I think as well. Listen, you know, Munster are playing a certain way as well. They're getting dividends for playing that way. And I'm not saying you know the game management goes out the window, but they are playing you know aggressive, high tempo attacking play. So. You know, I I have sympathy for him. I, do I think he made the wrong decision in, in going down that way? Yes, but do, you know, do I feel um, that um, you know the referee needs to help him out in that situation? I I really do. So I I don't want. I know you have to play different types of rugby at different times, but they were going after that. They were getting you know they're getting them back themselves in the position. They and the just best made a half break that, as well through yeah, Crowley. Yeah. Yes, yes. So you know, and and it was you know actually you know if that kick was slightly fo- um, more forward, you know that could have been you know it could have been a fifty meter uh, run as opposed to you know a, a, a 10 or 15 as it was so um, and this is the part of sort of you know, you know balancing all these elements which I think is the thing that's coming out for me most about Munster this season that they're not actually they're not able to um, you know, figure out how to balance this. You know, you know, exciting, uh, very attacking play with a set piece that is, you know, is is functioning in in the correct way, and you know, p- potentially a bit of of game management. But I, I'm not going to castigate Connor for for going after that in the way he did, because you know, at at that point they are maintaining that attacking game, and you know, that was the kind of play that was they were having most success with. Munster are entitled to be furious if or. G. Snyman move to Leinster happens roars a headline in the Irish Independent like that, so, um, top of a piece by Rory O'Connor aren't Munster the ones who let him go though Rory Just uh, he wanted to stay is my understanding they're releasing him so once that well, decision happens really afford him. He, he's, but once that decision happens he's free to go anywhere he, no, he, even to their greatest rivals yeah and look I think any fan of any team the fans certainly are entitled to, to be annoyed when a, a guy they stuck with over the years goes walks to their biggest rival I know it's a business but still he had a couple of options on the table, and and I think that they're entitled to be aggrieved by the fact that this guy that they you know he's played ten times for him in four years, and they've you know nursed him back to, to health a couple of times, and it's it's got, it hasn't gone their way. I think as an organisation, I think the RFU like I tried to think about what over the weekend why I, I felt that this I felt this was wrong. My gut mm-hmm. was this was wrong initially when I first heard about it. I think it's the fact that the RFU rules are effectively weakening a province that's trying to catch up and strengthening the super province. And part of it is down to the fact that they have seven centrally contracted players in their books, which means they're not on their books, and they're going to go to nine next year when Dan Leinster is Leinster. Leinster, yeah. yeah. So that means they can afford to get, go get Jack Nienaber. It means they can afford to go and sign or just sign on them, Just explain that for people. So th- those centrally contracted players, their wages are paid entirely by, by the IRFU. IRFU. Yeah. So therefore, Leinster, who already have you know fair fair bit of cash about, are able to use that to get these big name coaches, big, and big name players, and which is. And they also do their business right. They make the most, a bit like the Dublin footballers, they make the most of being in the mm. the, the centre of the economy. They, they get access to good sponsors. They've got very rich benefactors who The rich contribute. get richer, really. The, well, the whole system propagates. And maybe, the, maybe the fact that the RFU run a very capitalist system shouldn't surprise any of us. <laughs> but if we want four really competitive provinces, currently we've one super province mm. and three who are kind of fighting for scraps a little bit and Munster winning last year gave us the illusion that they were catching up and they are a little bit they're getting better they're producing more players themselves and they're doing things within their gifts and they can run things better I'm not giving them a pass on everything they do Mm. they're unlucky in that Jean Klein um, got capped by South Africa which meant that they effectively had to choose but they went for the cheaper option 
partly because he's more reliable. And there is way a, cheaper, way cheaper, but probably half half the, the cost of what Snyman you know, was looking we're not for. Talking about market. fifty grand here. No, he, like Snyman, I I heard from a very good source that Snyman was being offered around clubs in South Africa, England, France, Japan for about seven fifty a year. You would think Klein is on around three to four. There, there were benefactors involved in Munster as well. That there were, there in yeah. That I was a, a London a consortium of London businessmen, but basically they were effect, effectively told that he'd already taken a cut. He'd taken a cut when he got his last contract after being injured and now as a World Cup second time World Cup winner his knee's back to back to full health he has a shoulder issue but that's not supposed to be long term his agent went to the market looking for full whack again Munster basically took the cheaper option partly because they're losing O'Mahony off centre contract they're losing Murray off centre contract they've lost Keith Earls they only have Ty Byrne so they don't have right. and Ulster in the same boat Connacht have one as well so they're all paying all their players themselves whereas Leinster have nine players off the books and they've already got a bigger budget so that's but what I mean about the rich getting richer. The yeah. more players you produce that are in an Ireland but Lens, team, Lens would argue the less you have to pay for. They're getting their reward for producing those players. Absolutely, in the first that's place. the other side. Yeah, of and, the and, and, and they are. And uh, the other problems would say you're getting the reward for sitting on top of a, a giant population and a load of schools. And we should have a draft. And look, there's a whole. You, you can go deep on this, and you know, should the centrally contracted players be spread throughout the provinces? That's what the English clubs are arguing with their central contracting model at the moment. I just think it's imperfect, and it kind of. Even over the years, I've always felt that it almost rewards players for past performance rather than guaranteeing what they're going to do in the future. We've had players sitting on central contracts that have um, that, that that basically are no longer producing at the top level and are, are kind of almost comfortable with it. I'm getting away from Simon. Yeah, so, so, so you'd be on Simon. just on Simon. You'd be you be the and Shane. I'll bring you in a second. You'd be angry with the IRFU if you were a Munster I think fan. The ang- not with I, the players. I think the system so is set it up so that Munster couldn't keep him and. Look, should they keep him? I'm not sure because he's played 10 games in four years. Should Leinster sign him with that injury record? That's a massive risk as well. So that's another thing that the RFU, who I, I understood, well, on Friday, at last I heard, they hadn't signed off on this and Nusifora isn't too happy with it either. But I think they'll get it over the line. Um, so, look, it's a great signing for Leinster. From Leinster's point of view, they're doing nothing wrong. They're taking a very good player off you know, off the market. You know, mm-hmm. if, if he was coming from South Africa, the only fear you'd have is that the, this guy just isn't value for money because he hasn't played. And also, a current South African international is going to have a lot of South African obligations in the rugby championship and that sort of thing as well. So, is he the best value for money? I'm not sure, but I just don't want to see Munster weak. Any of the provinces weakened for Leinster's benefit. Leinster are entitled to do their own business, but when Le- Munster lose a player, Leinster picking him up just sits a little bit b- badly with me. When you see how strong they are already, Shane. Um, you know when you break up with your girlfriend and you see her with somebody else it's really <laughs> it's quite difficult isn't it but you broke up with her you can't say a whole lot about it uh, but listen uh, I'd be uh, facetious in that you know um, it was almost a first breakup uh, a forced breakup from Munster um, you know one you know, potentially not being able to, to, to fund them but I, I think maybe a, and I don't know the ins and outs but maybe not an appetite to fund them given his um, injury profile as well and I think that's potentially an issue for Leinster I like Rory it, it didn't sit well with me I have to say I, I think it's a potentially injury profile aside potentially a, a really good signing for, for Leinster and feels like in the mould of other top top internationals that have come into Leinster and, and made the difference you do feel he could make the difference he could be the final piece in the in a jigsaw to get Leinster over a line but I don't think it's great for Ireland uh, and, and I'm almost surprised that uh, it's been allowed to happen if indeed it is allowed to happen and a couple of reasons for that uh, you know, there's the issue between Leinster and Munster, both in terms of sort of just the the optics around moving from um, Leinster to Munster for a foreign player. But secondly, you know, 
And this is this is a point that, that I think we have to consider. Uh, Rory spoke there about the number of centrally contracted Irish players that Leicester have, which means that they're an extremely strong outfit, and they also have you know they do have a you know really significant strength and depth as well. Are Leinster at the point where we shouldn't be bringing in any overseas internationals? And that we should be reliant is completely. They should be completely self-sufficient. I, I think there's, you know, there's definitely the the case to be made for that. Now, it's not like a number of years ago, you know, and it's not like Leinster. Yes, they haven't, you know, won Europe, but they've got to two finals, and you know, they're so they're very, very close to being able to achieve that. And and should they be able to do it with their existing resources? You think they would? And remember, you know, we are now in effect funding two um, South African, um, you know, two, two South Africa's uh, most costly players coming coming in. And also, sort of, mean being intimately aware of what you know Irish teams are doing, which that's also going to happen in prof- always going to happen in professional sports, though, isn't it, Shane? You know, you've well, got, you've got, you've got players doesn't... who play in certain leagues. It doesn't mean that you know that's necessarily going to be a, a huge benefit come World Cup time. Well, um, I think it is a benefit come World T- Cup time. I think it is. But what I'm saying is, you know, our Leinster, you know, should be considered a position where they don't need that, you know, the supplementation of those players. I'm not. I don't think it it should be right across the board. And I think I've been in. Uh, teams where and the team needed those um, you know, top class internationals and they made a huge difference and brought the team on but should um, Leinster be relying on that in an area that they have decent cover in so you know I think that's the next phase of this conversation about um, you know internationals uh, from, from other countries I didn't actually know he wanted to settle in Ireland I didn't realise at the time that they were deciding whether to choose him or Klein I know money was probably the main issue but it's kind of amazing that both of them are happy to settle here because almost all our signing from abroad move away again even if they stay for a long time some of them but do you think for the rest of the season it'll be a very awkward dressing room in Munster because normally these things happen in the off season in football in particular I think dressing rooms are largely okay they kind of they figure this stuff out I, I, I'm not sure I think he'll have an awkward like he's been very popular with the Munster fans on the, the few occasions that he's got to play and, and he has you know he's very popular, or he has been very popular since since arriving. Even though he's he's had such little impact on the pitch. I mean, I I was talking to people, senior people in Munster, who were wondering whether they should put him on garden leave, and right. that um you know whether the uh, you know what <laughs> I've seen fans say, why don't we just drive this guy up to Dublin and let them pay for his medical bills for the rest of the season? So I think <laughs> there is a, a fair bit of ire because of the way you know it, it's been for the last couple of years. So that is a an issue. I mean, the fact that he wants to stay in Ireland, if the Irish system worked perfectly. Should they not be trying to relocate him to Connacht then, and get you know get the benefit of this guy who who is so experienced, and, and get him into a team that really needs him, um, and and let the RFU pay for that? You know that would be a better use of kind of his abilities in terms of bringing up rather than getting Leinster over the line in the European Cup, getting Connacht to be really really competitive from year to year. Um, I, like I think he was very close to signing for Bath. Leinster stepped in at the last minute. I'm sure Neen Arbor had a role in it, and and their relationship will definitely have a role. And if they can get him fit, he could be the difference between Leinster beating a La Rochelle. Mm. Certainly, I heard O'Gara talking about him last week and he was a bit blown away by the idea of, you know, this team is already so strong and he put he may be the missing link coming off for 20 minutes in, in, in the way he did at the mm. World Cup. I mean, the idea of him, James Ryan, Joe McCarthy all being in the same pack together, it's it's scary for Europe um, and it's scary for the rest of Irish rugby as well. Well, this is it, Shane, because there's a risk attached and all that kind of stuff, but really... It's a it's a high reward. You don't need him fit for thirty games a season. You know you just need him fit probably for the last last four or five, and you could get as Munster saw you could get the benefit of that. It's the difference between winning silverware or not. 
Yeah, and and who knows? He could play. You know, he could play any amount of games uh, over the next two years. I know he's he's had this kind of bizarre period of of bad luck, but you know, you would be very hopeful over the next couple of years. And this is what we spoke about a few weeks ago. You know, did do um, there's a bit of a stick or twist element to to Munster, and and so I I do think that you know the fact that his injury profile was so bad. You know, the I think it would be very difficult if he, if he got injured again next year. Just you know, mentally, I think they would all sort of be losing their marbles. So, but I think the chances are that after these sustained periods of uh, of rehab, you know, he he may be in very good shape. It's disappointing for Munster, but he may be in very very good shape over the next couple of years. And we know um, the way he can perform, and and it won't be just off a bench either. It it, it can be really make a significant uh, difference. So, you know, from Leinster's perspective, if you know if the Leinster coaching ticket, you would you would think this is a coup for certain. And and um, if you're a Leinster player, maybe not. You know, one of the um, someone in the depth chart of of the um, Leinster second row, he might have an issue, but everybody else would be thinking Phew, they'd be thinking back to a you know a Rocky Elson or or um, Brad Thorne in particular, who were the difference in in two Leinster or at least two Leinster uh, European Cup wins. The Leinster, the main issue with Leinster at the moment seems to be who is the captain on the field because there's two of them. And uh, one is James Ryan, one is Gary Ringrose. It seems the refs are deciding mid-game which one they want to talk to. Rory, this is a bit weird. Yeah, I, there's a couple of issues, Lance. I think Leinster are playing brilliantly well, but they're on an eight-game winning run, which kind of even Leo Cullen said we're not at our we're not at our best, but we're kind of getting results. But yeah, this this has kind of emerged in the last couple of weeks. I thought it was curious initially when they named co-captains. It's I have seen it done before in Glasgow. I've done it. The Irish women's team at the moment have co-captains. I it doesn't. It's not something that appeals to me greatly, but then I try and interrogate why, and I don't really know. And uh, you know, it, uh, the idea of why not try it? You know, I'm, I'm kind of open to the idea and see how it works. But so far, I guess what Leinster want to have is, you know, what they, what they want to spread the load between the two players. I, I'm not sure how well James Ryan wears captaincy and whether it takes away from his performances a little He's bit. Been and this too ratty, hasn't he? The last two games, certainly the last two games, and, and La Rochelle. You know, he, he plays. I think he made 18 tackles against La Rochelle and a mm. similar number of carries, and he plays in such a ferocious way that it's very hard for him I think to kind of then go and have a measured conversation with a ref so having Ringrose do it I, like, I think Ringrose maybe makes more sense because it allows Ryan to play his game but you don't want to maybe take away the honour maybe that's what Leo Cullen is thinking but what's actually happened is that you know Ryan was appointed over in La Rochelle as the guy so they've delegated the two of them to do different roles and at the start Ryan was the one who was down to talk to the ref and, right. and the ref immediately through the first half said I'm not talking to you anymore I'm going to talk to him which you know, leaves you has left you open, and it means Gary Ringrose has to come in and do it, and it kind of annoys James Ryan all the more. And then at the weekend, a similar decision was made. Now I, I'm not sure Ringrose seemed to have more responsibilities at the weekend, so I'm not sure did they take it off from himself. Leo Cullen was fairly unperturbed about it afterwards. He kind of almost said, you know, when you know when James Ryan is being naughty, Gary can step in and be nice. It's a bit of good, good cop, bad cop. There's a chance maybe to lean on the ref from two different sources legitimately and. Maybe refs don't like that. Maybe refs are going. Hang on a second. You, you're you're basically you know you're look you're exploiting a loophole in the rules, and I'm only going. To, you know you can name two captains, but you're only having one on the pitch. And if the ref does that, that's fair enough. But it probably should be communicated before. Hired out in advance. It's very simple. Yeah, you always yeah. hear that the refs make it clear what they want from the two teams and so on. So who's your captain today, lads? I'll talk to that person. Mm, and I wonder should Lancer you know, have the honour of co-captains for the season, but every week name one of the two of them as their captain that, yeah. would, that would iron this out completely yeah I think the main thing is it hasn't in fact impacted uh, James Ryan's form he's been really good this season but I want to talk about Frawley as well he was on RT television before a game a couple of weeks ago 
and it was the first time I heard him say, no, I want to play 10. That's the position I want to be in. And he has barely ever played there still. He didn't have a great game. Um, it's a step backwards for him. And the problem for him is he's going to get very few chances when the Burns come back from injury. They'll probably go back in at 10. Yeah, I think so. I think, look, I think all these 10s are going to have bad days. And I think we have to be, you know, even when I spoke about Jack Crowley earlier, like, you know, O'Gara, Humphrey, Sexton, they all had days when it didn't go their way. Mm. Um, like Crowley did loads really well in the, in, in the Munster game. But, you know, the, the kicks will, will haunt them and the missed drop goal against Bayonne will haunt them even when he only, only had one boot on. And Foley, on his Europe, first European start at 10, it definitely didn't go his way. I think Leinster were a little bit rocked on their heels by how well Sale played I think probably saw the Sale team sheet and, and maybe on the back of such a ferocious game in La Rochelle just took it a little bit on the run and, and, and didn't perform in that first half but there was like a, a hat-trick of errors that kind of compounded each other for Frawley in the first half it wasn't and, and that put them on the back foot it wasn't all bad he, you know some of his passing was very good but he certainly didn't grasp the opportunity in front of Andy Farrell mm. in the way that he would have wanted to and like Harry Byrne like Leo Cullen has said they're not going to necessarily rest players for Thomond Park Harry Byrne will be fit for that game I think Ross is still a good way away so he will get opportunities and he will I think be in that 22 jersey regardless because he covers so many positions so he will get chances but not many chances to run the week in the way that they that mm. they seem to value way higher than I think we all appreciate to come in and run that yeah. week is very important as a 10 and yeah there's only three games now before the four games now before the Six Nations so that was that was his win though and like he didn't play himself out of contention completely, but I don't think he advances cause at all. I, I think we, we, you know, this is this is kind of one of the issues that Leinster have with with having you know, three competitive or four competitive tens is that player goes in. There's been some momentum behind Frawley with some good performances, either you know, um, um, slotting in and. Um, if not, like sort of picked at ten, and you know those performances were good enough to, you know, for I'm sure the coaches to recognise. Actually, you know, this guy, you know, um, should go into ten, and you know, we can give him some game time, and then. It's not, listen, you know, there were errors. I mean, there was a, there was certainly, you know, three errors in the trot, I think, that Rory mentioned there. But what I sort of admired more from him was then it didn't intimidate him and he actually you know, um, had some really good play then afterwards. So whatever 10 is in place is going to, are going to have sort of mediocre games as well. And what you have is a, a, an issue that when you've got so many good good ones, you can go, oh, this guy, this guy had a mediocre game. Oh, this guy's better again. And he flips in and then he flips out and he flips in and he flips out. And you're not in a situation necessarily where you've you know given a player like Frawley a proper go at at um you know establishing himself and and, and being Leinster's number one and kind of um I don't know if that's going to be able to to happen now or not and and you know does does Ross Byrne come back in for Munster I'd really like to see and I know I've been sort of you know saying this over the course of like you know a uh, one a number of months but sort of you know even years over I'd love to see Frawley play to be backed and play a you know a, a quite high number of games for Leinster um because I do feel you know he has a higher a ceiling than you know than than anybody else there right now and if he doesn't have you know a number of games I don't think we'll get to see it and the other thing that'll happen is this is his window if you look at his age profile I just like to see him get you know that a run of games where he he has to control the back line in a really aggressive way and 
I found the game at the weekend very frustrating. I didn't enjoy watching the game. And there's not many games you know, with Leinster I, I don't enjoy, but I didn't enjoy it. I felt it was, um, you know, I, I don't think, I think he needed to be a little bit more demanding of the ball. I think there was a, he was a little bit intimidated and there was too much, too many many options for forwards around the corner where, you know, faster ball should have been, uh, should have gone out to the back. So, uh, you know, it's definitely Leinster aren't firing on, on all cylinders or, or anything like it. But um, I think him with a little bit more game time being more demanding and comfortable in that role as as a you know a demanding 10 uh, would be good for both Shane didn't enjoy the Leinster game. What about the Connacht game, Rory? Did you enjoy that? There were a lot of tries. Unfortunately, eight of them were conceded by Connacht. I, like I'm, I'm not a huge fan of 40 pitches, and I just think this, like, compared to the some of the games, is that Saracens? Yeah, that's Saracens over at the Stonex Stadium, and and like it was kind of basketball-y it was a little bit too you know you score we score Connacht got themselves in a really good position again in a, in a game where they, no one expected them to do anything and they did get a point away from home against Saracens which I think if you probably offered them to them beforehand they'd have been quite happy with that on their kind of spreadsheet mm. but because they were so bad against Bordeaux in the opening game they they possibly needed more if they're going to progress which they're unlikely to do at this stage but uh, it was deeply concerning to see how easily Saracens just marched over them in that second half. You know, Connacht did a lot right. You know, they were in Owen Farrell's face. So, you know, they were kind of they got won a penalty off a bit of Owen Farrell, um, kind of hit and pushed him back on one of the Connacht players. They, Shane Bolton, they 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 did a lot right in that first half, and they played like they're used to playing on a pitch like that. They they took the game to Saracens. I think they stunned Saracens a little bit. But in the second half, there's the Saracens power game amped up. And they do have internationals in that pack, a lot of very experienced internationals and great players. But the way Connacht kind of folded and crumbled under the weight of their pressure, that disparity was pretty frightening for, from a Connacht point of view. And it just puts them on this bit of a downward spiral going into a, an away trip to Ulster. And then they got Munster coming to town on New Year's Day. So that's the, and then they're back into Europe again after that they're going to Lyon away which isn't the most frightening of French oppositions but it's still away in France and their season is kind of getting away from them after a really strong start and the kind of weaknesses that we feared might be there in their tight five are just there for all to see their defence um, Rory is yeah, it's very soft and yeah. some very soft just basic tackle technique I don't know Fardy is inexperienced Scott Fardy has come in there as defence coach is he the main issue there, do you think? Is he learning on the job? or Possibly a little bit. I think, you know, he can't make the tackles for the players. And at mm. times, some of those tackle attempts are nowhere near good enough for professional players. And I think you, you could go to the Leinster game. I thought they accepted Leinster winning that too easily. Like, Leinster had a line out a halfway. And Connacht almost accepted from that point that they were going to lose the game. Mm. When, when all they needed was one big defensive play or even just some calm to force a Leinster error. Then you look at last week, they just got carved open over and over again by Bordeaux, who have an array of brilliant attacking options and brought a great attitude to Galway. But it was like it was great crack for them. They were they really enjoyed their trip to Galway. You know, it wasn't hard. Like Galway should be a hard place to go. And look, they went to Saracens about three or four years ago with a with a good team and, and got a similar result. And it's Saracens have this capacity to do it to, to you. And some of the probably the worst defending came for the kind of seventh and eighth tries, you know, when the game was gone, but still it speaks to an acceptance of, of kind of like a lack of a lack of fight and, and a lack of belief in your system, I guess. And and look, it's an inexperienced coaching ticket. Pete Wilkins has been their senior coach for the last couple of years. Now he's it's his first time being the top man. You got John Muldoon back from Bristol after a couple of years, but he's still very recently a player. Um, and then Fardy again, you know, he got that job with very little experience. A lot of Irish coaches were a bit upset about it because they felt like they were they had more 
bank than he did but obviously he commands great respect from his time as a player and particularly I think Leinster were very impressed with him as kind of an on-pitch coach Mm. but there's a leap from there to where they need him to get to and the players are certainly not doing him any credit in the way they're defending and they need to improve that part of their game massively because their attack can be very good and Mm. Bundiaki who was pretty quiet against Bordeaux looked like Bundiaki again and when you got Bundiaki and Hansen's due back soon that injury isn't serious suddenly you have two world class attacking weapons in your back line if you can give do all the, a bit like Munster if you can do the other stuff well then you, you, you'll be fine but mm. the the stuff that should be your basics that they're getting wrong Shane just on Ulster we talked about Damon Farrell a couple of weeks ago criticising the training that hadn't gone well specifically on one of the days leading to that it obviously went well this week because they had a load of similar t- types of setups for tries tap and go moves to score three of their tries a bit of a win for the coaches I think you know, if they had have lost that game in Ravenhill, and you know, it was conceivable because Rasking, I have to say, were quite disappointing. Now, yes, there was you know uh, there was good play by Ulster, but um, they were disappointing on the whole. Um, you know, where would they have uh, have they gone to? I'm I'm not sure. I'm convinced though um, of you know what happens from here on in against Ulster. Um, they've always been sort of capable of of a big European um, night in um, Ravenhill as it was then. But again, it needs a sort of a longer data set here of, of performances before we know whether those issues of training have really been addressed. That's exactly it, Rory. I just thought. And they started so well. The first five minutes, unbelievable. Scored a try, owned the ball for the first five minutes. And you think, why don't they do this every week? Yeah. Now just go and do it again. Yeah. Hammer Connacht. Come down to the RDS on New Year's Day, put in a performance. Like you nearly won there last year, go and beat Leinster. Then the, you got Toulouse coming to town, do it again. Because that's what, like, Ulster are capable of that. Like, you look at their pack, you've got Kitsoff, you've got Henderson, you've got good players throughout their team. I still have question marks about Burns at 10. But if you look at, I thought James Hume looked really confident. Mm. He looked at James Hume at two, three years ago. He typifies ago. Ulster for me in that he can be brilliant and then really quiet. Yeah, and then they have this innovation around their, their like, you know, you wonder about their coaching and then suddenly they come up with, you know, mm. those, the quick taps. The one where Cooney just flicks it up, I thought it was beautiful. Yeah. Like that's, they should be more vibrant. They should, they have all, they've got a young homegrown back, back line. They've got back rows, homegrown back rows coming out their ears. They've signed a Springbok prop. They should be a good news story. And they've been so mediocre all year and their coaches called them out and didn't get a response really and then they go and do that so that's the template now they should go and do that because they can be challenging they 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 were challenging Leinster much more than Munster over the last three or four years and they just went backwards at a rate of knots in the last year but the personnel hasn't changed that much mm. so the, the potential is definitely there they've got a tough enough run they've got Toulouse at home and, and Harlequins away but you know if they play like they did last, last Saturday then they can do it Rory excellent stuff Shane brilliant thanks a mil Thanks a lot, guys. See ya. Bye, bye, bye. It happened to me on the dart. Time to be in this motherfucker. Like we always do about this time. Okay, all right. I'm going to reveal a piece of information now. Bro. I haven't, I haven't smoked a cigarette in four days. <laughs> What I'm saying is this guy. Cheer up. How about you wake up? Last time I took the dart, I was over to split. Wake up. Wake up to what's happening in the, in the world. Hey, Pat, do you want to split? Before we go today, Murph, there were more thrills and spills thrown up by the club hurling championship over the weekend. Oh, oh and I tried to double screen. I tried so hard yesterday. Mm-hmm. Cushendall and O'Loughlin Gales on my laptop and Exeter and Munster on my TV. Mm-hmm. But Cushendall and O'Loughlin Gales was so good that... I looked at the rugby, then I was completely entranced by the hurling, and then I looked up again at the rugby, and Munster had gone from being 10 points down to being like 7 points 
or 10 points up to being 7 points down or whatever the hell it was literally there were tries had gone in all over the shop 2 yards away and the hurling was so good I couldn't even that's what you want though when you're double screen you want one to take over you want one to be this is actually what happens because both were good yeah well I know but in your own yeah. Murph yeah. was able to no, no, ignore I, the fact that one was actually it happened, something very it happened exciting. for me it ha- yeah. I mean the hurling was like I'm sure Exeter and Munster was, was wonderful value I saw the highlights it did look pretty good but as it was happening live the hurling just completely kicked the crap out of it it was so good mm-hmm. uh, it was and the semi-final between Thomas's and Ballygunner on Saturday then was also so good but there was the the real attraction to it is that inter-county hurling is so good, there there's so few mistakes in it now that actually really good games at club level are the best kind of games. Because there's still tons of mistakes being made. There's still lads doing completely book-ape things in these games. And Thomas's Ballygunner went all the way to penalties. Uh, Thomas has won it eventually uh, uh, on penalties. Uh, all-time classic moment in a penalty shoot, of course, is when the goalkeeper decides to step up and take one so Saki uh, O'Keefe Stephen O'Keefe takes the Saki yeah that's his nickname S-O-K of course are his initials so I mean even you'd figure that one out don't gotcha uh, so he <laughs> he stood up to take a penalty absolutely like rifled it at the top uh, the top corner and then just like kept running <laughs> so like a ball goes in and he just like keeps running he's like right come on who's next up for me to save so uh, it was utterly utterly brilliant we are left with the Lachlan Gales St Thomas's final Ballygunner were a lot of people's favourites uh, to do the business they had been absolutely brilliant all year of course uh, but Thomas's were exceptional on on Saturday evening they're six time in a row champions of Galway so they're uh, no mugs either but Lachlan Gales yesterday gave Cushendall a 1-4 to no score uh, lead came out in the end, uh, on top in the end by uh, one point I shed a little tear for Neil McManus because I love Neil McManus the Cushendall uh, centre forward right. yesterday he's just he's an exceptional communicator he's like he might be one of the best communicators uh, who is also a sports person that I've heard in years he's just so so good uh, and he missed a chance late on uh and then, like, within about five minutes, he's on TG Cahar talking about how, uh, <laughs> like, he did this unbelievably good interview holding his kid. Mm-hmm. And uh, so Michal O'Donnell is kind of probing him on, you know, sort of the disappointment of missing a chance later on. And, like, three minutes later, he's talking about, like, uh, where he from, where he's from in Cushendall and the Glens of Antrim. It's so unspeakably beautiful that uh, people... Uh, want to buy their holiday homes there and that's driving up property prices but this is it doesn't matter we're still going to be playing hurling we're still going to be our uh, young people are still going to be buying houses in Cushendall because where we're from matters so much to us and I was like Jesus this is too much for me Neil and you've just paid 60 minutes hit an unbelievable point to bring it back to within one as he said himself he got the hard one and missed the easy one not the, the one at the end wasn't that easy but um I was just like I was well enough listening to the listening to this guy. So yeah, I mean I've I there's a hole in my heart after Neil McGa- uh, Neil watching Neil McManus, but nevertheless, on we go. Thanks, Murph. Thank you, Owen. Thank you, Son. Thanks, Thanks Murph. Thanks, Owen. Thanks for listening. And before you go, I know you probably have some Christmas shopping to do. You're worrying about getting your your part of the dinner sorted for the big day. Just spare a moment for yourself in this busy period. Have a little think yeah. about buying yourself a present. You're and by present, right. I do of course mean. A World Service membership, 45 euro a month plus VAT. One month is all you need to commit to. Did you say 45 euro a month? No, Simon, just the five euro. Oh, five, yeah, 40 euro less than I thought. Yeah, well, that's amazing value. <laughs> Simon signing up. You can too. <laughs> Second Comes Podcast is part of the ACAS Network. Network. Made up of 
Acast creators. Well, yeah. creators, yeah. Creators yeah. on the Acast network of creators. It's the Acast creator network. That's what it is. The second time it's gone off. They never go home. They never go home. They never go home. Those, those, those boys. The second captain's world service. It is not war and death and famine. It's not that at all. It's the opposite of that. It's to persuade the world outside of that. That's why sports important.